Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. Yeah, so good morning. Good morning. We are continuing on our series this morning. We're going through this process called Awake, Awakening. And and this morning's theme is really awakening even among our enemies. So awakening even among our enemies. Uh, That's not the title. We'll get to the title in a moment, but that's that's the theme. And so I'm landing those two words. Think about awakening. Think about enemies. um, I'm assuming nobody in this room has real life enemies, but who, who knows? We'll get there in a minute. We're, so we're going to get to the church here. Acts chapter 8. The church has um, been um, on this journey, sort of three and a half years in, and Stephen, one of the key players of the church, has been uh, martyred. And this is going to shift everything. The church is realizing that to follow Jesus Christ didn't cost them. Sunday school out. That's what this. I was trying to figure out the sign language going on in the room. <sighs> Do you know? Yeah. So, uh, UT kids, head out. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out what Sunday school was a minute there. Um, UT kids, head out. Yes. Enjoy. Enjoy. Now we've got you hugged by all those germs. Now I'll go. Okay, so the church is realizing that it's got some enemies going on and uh, that these are real. They're not just for someone else. They're coming close to them. That to follow Jesus Christ, well, it was free to accept his salvation, but to follow him has actually got a cost. And, and, And again, take that one. Because to follow Jesus Christ does have a cost. Uh, now, we're talking in our context. Our context is slightly different to their context. In this situation, Stephen gets martyred. He gets stoned to death. And it has such a shockwave around the church that the church scatters. The church is thrown into this moment where it just, it's forced out. It's forced to move in a direction because of pain and persecution that it never, ever saw itself. Remember, it doesn't have a history book. This is the church writing history. It doesn't have a reference point. This is everything is new. We are now being forced into a place that we don't understand. This guy Saul pops up in the middle of it who, if you know anything about the Bible, Saul becomes like this pillar of the power of salvation. Jesus Christ can take a real life enemy and make him a friend. That, in this moment, we have all of this. We have Paul who, who has the approval. Paul who takes on this unique door-to-door ministry. No, you see people wrapping doors. Anybody ever had those guys wrap your door? Can I talk to you a few moments? Have you ever considered? Can I sell you? All of those things. Well, Paul was wrapping your door to come in, trail you out of your house and put you in jail. That's persecution. And this is what's happening. And so there is a movement being pressed out of this moment of pain. I want us to think about movement just for a second. This is one form of movement. And that's not moving, okay? So, but that helps us understand movement. So there are different types of movement. There is movement where you have motion. I, I would love to like pop out some moves and you know, like, 
yeah, just, but it, no, like a wee bit of this here and all. But uh, it's, it's not going to happen because I have zero rhythm, okay? Uh, I could try and moonwalk it now. No, it's not going to work either. Uh, but Ben's like, no. <laughs> uh, and there, there are sort of motions that we make, and it's lots of motion, but again, very little progress, but it's still movement. It's still movement. There's the movement towards a cause. And I'm told there's a generation coming up that's the most cause-driven generation of all time. No, forget about we don't want this, we don't want that. We want to fight for a cause. And when we talk about a cause, what you do is you identify something needs to change and you move and you start a movement of change towards changing it. And then that becomes the new norm. That is one kind of movement. There's the movement of uh, where you have something Okay, so I want you to visualize this. You have something so precious. You have something that's so incredible and so potent that can change any person's life. It can transform nations. It can transform countries and kings and shepherds and paupers. It can can transform people who are broken and are hopeless to people who think they have everything. and, And you've got it in your hand and you just want to share it with everyone. That's another kind of movement. And in Acts 8, 48, we're going to read, there's, there's a movement starting and a, and a movement that's going out beyond their circle, their norm, their comfort. And we read these words. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So, so the persecution didn't stop them from doing what they were already asked to do. You know, we had that conversation last week. There's always a voice in culture saying, do not be a witness to Jesus, but Jesus has called his church to be a witness. Uh, and we always have the two voices, but they choose to be a witness. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. And with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy. Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't normally do this one. I want you to repeat after me. Now, Ran is the master class of all this stuff. Repeat after me. A movement of... Okay, we're going to try it again there. A movement of... We're not getting there yet. A movement off. Okay, so it wasn't joy. It was great joy. And, and, and why I want you to get this great, the, the church here has, has moved from persecution and you can't get, it doesn't seem like you can get anything more opposite to persecution and death to great joy. Like, how does that work? Now, how do you go from that to that, well, well, what we're learning here is that there's this person called Jesus Christ who can take someone from there and take them to here. This term, great, it's um, where we get the term mega. Um, and it sounds sort of 80s, 90s when I say it. And it probably is the most inward now at the moment or something. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying because it all comes around in circles. Mega. And see, when you think of the word mega, you think of things that are like mega structures. You think of things like, you no, know, it's the word that we use for like a, a mega yacht or a super yacht. 
It's something that the rich and the fabulous have. It's something that it seems so inaccessible to the normal person to have something that is so big. A mega house, a super house, a mega car, a supercar. It's this sense of something that only the 1% can ever truly have. But something is shifting here. See, what is happening is this movement of joy is not for the 1% who can afford to buy it. There is a movement of joy that is not happiness, that is deeper than anything you can ever purchase or own. There is a movement here that is open to everyone. It's not just for the few. It's not just for those who can afford it. It's for everyone. It's not the words of Je- that were declared over Jesus by the angel. I announce to you shepherds today, Great joy. Great joy. This joy is for everyone. Because a Messiah has come. This is a joy that will cost someone the ultimate price. But be available to everyone for free. Jesus, the Son of God, would lay down his life so that in death, everyone can receive this great joy. What a price, joy. People and all of us can search a whole lifetime trying to find joy. We get it confused with happiness. Happiness is about your circumstance, your situation. You know, if it changes, your happiness goes up, your happiness goes down. But joy is something deeper and we spend our whole lives searching for it. And what we're understanding here is that because of Jesus Christ, in the moment of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that something that everybody spends their whole lives pursuing is available in a moment. It's like, whoa. Something's shifting, something is changing. When it comes to joy, no, in biblical times, it was believed that anything could be purchased, including righteousness. No, being right with God could be purchased. No, if you if you had lots of big pockets and lots of money and you emptied those pockets in the form of alms or given to the poor, it was believed that you attained righteousness. It was believed that you could get all things. But something's changing here. It it, it reminds us of the words of Jesus who said, it is actually easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Something is happening here that you cannot buy this stuff. In fact, if you've been used to buying your way into something that looks like joy or happiness, something that looks like you're right with God, turns out you can't. But there is a way that's open to everyone. His name's Jesus. His name is Jesus. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. There are sort of things we can associate with joy, isn't it? No, good meal, friends, eating, drinking, joy. 
It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've had some of this conversation. The importance of the Holy Spirit is as important as breathing. No, if you love your breath, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we should pursue the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Again, we're not talking about happiness. We're talking about joy. So if we're going to link all this joy, and we've got to link it with something like righteousness. How does righteousness make me joyful? Well, it turns out that if Jesus is right with God, then I can be right with God. That because Jesus Christ went to the cross, died for my sin, he cleaned the slate, and if I trust in him, that he has done everything for me, turns out I can be right with God, and that should fill me with the most incredible joy. Because nobody can steal that. No matter what's going on inside your world, Jesus is still right. So I'm still joyful. I'm still rejoicing. You know those annoying people oh, that call themselves Christians and their world's falling apart and they're like, no, God's just been so good to me. And you're thinking, no, but how? I know your life. How can you say that? No, I don't know what it is about. No, this is happening, that's happening, and I'm sad in my heart. But my soul, my spirit, I was just thinking about Jesus the other day and Oh, it just filled me with joy. Now, just look at them and go, whoa. And hopefully that's some of us. See, what, what they're really saying is that I am on a rock that no matter what around me shakes, doesn't tremble. Jesus Christ. And as long as he's right, turns out I've got joy. Okay, so peace. Now, we're, we're talking about, we're not talking about peace in a sense of peace process or peace in the Middle East or you know, in other words people aren't killing, them, killing each other or that sort of peace we're talking about something different shalom is this sense to be complete, perfect and full anybody ever pursued that a sense of I just want to have a sense my life's full and it turns out, no matter what you pursue, it can feel empty until you meet Jesus. It's like there's this little piece that doesn't really come together without Jesus Christ. Well, there's this word called shalom. And people like me don't use it too much because it sounds quite like, like I'm trying to be a Jew of some description. But it turns out that the whole Bible is about this shalom, this peace. That as long as this peace is okay... Turns out everything else can be. See, there is this peace. No, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. So how can I have this joy? Well, it turns out as long as I have peace, as God intended, nothing can steal my joy. So how do you steal your joy as a Christian? Well, it usually involves things like sin and rebellion and walking out of God's will, all of those things. I'll steal your your peace like nothing else. Um, but when you try to stay in those things, there's a peace. Peace. And joy. Uh, we've talked about new week, new creation, new body, new breath. The Bible talks about new wine. Um, 
Anybody here ever taken like a bottle or two of wine to help with their joy levels? Uh, just throwing that out there. I've never felt a greater silence in the room. Like, like oh, was he in my bin this week? Um, uh, um, no, I saw you the bottle. I saw you at the bottle bank. Um, yeah, you and your wife two cars. Um, no, it was your. <laughs> But there's something about this, a sense of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the right wine to give us joy. He is the right wine to give us joy. So joy, there, there is this persecution in the church. They are kicked out, that's the movement. Uh, they go into, they continue in what they know to be true, proclaiming Jesus Christ, and there is this great joy. Uh, joy, Jesus, salvation are intrinsically linked. You can't, you, you gotta get that, that following Jesus is that joy. It really is. He really is joy. It's also awakening of joy. It's an awakening of his name. When we read through Acts chapter 8, when we read through the whole of Acts, there's these questions asked like, in what power, in what name? No, they'll say things like, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Christ our Lord, in the name of Jesus, or the Word, or the Messiah. Or... And ultimately what they're doing is bringing it back continually to Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's the... Um, so what is all this about? What's church about? What's being a Christian about? What, what, what is all of this about? It's about Jesus Christ. The Son of God. When you bring it right down, there is no one and there's no name like Jesus. He is what it's all about. Jesus, our Lord. Last week, I mentioned I was over here, I think, and I had like a little bonsai tree, and I was sort of skipping over and rushing because, I was, because of time and things like that, but I was talking about this little bonsai tree and how that it's the image of the real thing, and that's what we're called to be, not create a different foundation, not to try and uh, be like who we think Jesus is like, but just to be like Jesus. Um, and what he's established, and if we look at his life, turns out if we do what he does and did and continues to do, and we build on that foundation, as Paul says, with gold and silver and precious gems, it turns out if we build on that foundation, we'll be good. Jesus, the name. I recently, and this is gonna sound like I am the most spiritual man in the world, I think. I recently spent a morning, a full morning, with a Christian rabbi. That sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? No, is that just me? <laughs> a Christian rabbi, and it was incredible to just sit and pull apart one half of a verse of scripture uh, for five hours. And I found it incredible. Um, but as a throwaway, he was talking about the subject of a name. Now, I've been talking about this name, Jesus, and what he was explaining was that in our culture in the West, when we talk about a name, a name is a noun. 
No, person, place, or thing. Uh, and it's a proper noun if it's got a capital letter, all those things. Now, um, I think, I think that's right. And so we have a noun. And when we think of something, a person, place, or thing, we think of an object that is static, something that sort of stands still, something that... And what he was explaining was, in Hebrew thought, biblical thought, that when it comes to a name, it is never a noun, it is always a verb. It is always something of action. So it's not a case of your name describes who you are. Your name describes the purpose in the kingdom of God that you're to bring. That it's never about you, because we make it all about us. That it's all about what we bring to others. Uh, so the perfect example of this is Jesus means savior. And it turns out he's the only person never needed to be saved. So his name had nothing to do with him, but everything to do with what he was to bring. Because it turns out, although he didn't come to be saved, he come to save everyone. And there's something about this name. So if we are described, no, in Acts that started at Antioch, they started to say, yeah, these guys are living in a way that reminds us of that guy, Jesus. Instead of calling them people of the way, we'll just call them little Jesuses, little Christians, little Christs. Uh, and they saw something in them that reflected Jesus as they moved, as they lived, as they walked in such a way that they identified those people with his name. And that's the question, isn't it? Does anybody identify our outworking of our lives with the name Jesus? Now, I'm a pastor, I'm around this circle, and a lot of times I'm surrounded by people who confess to love Jesus Christ. But in, in my workplace before here, did anybody think he's one of those little Christs? There's just something about that guy who's just the way he operates. And they're not saying, oh, he's churchy, he's religious, oh, he's one of those people. They're saying, because most people don't have a problem with Jesus. You figure that out, don't you? Most people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with us. And is there something about us that makes them go, see the way that guy's just so generous. There's just something. And I know he calls himself a Christian, but he's really like one. Little Christ, my name. So we're called to bring his name. This is what's happening. These guys are bringing the name of Jesus and the place is filled with joy. <laughs> so a load of Christians turn up in a city, in a room, in a board meeting, online, in any environment. They turn up and the whole place is filled with joy. Isn't that the greatest miracle? Now, I, I'm not trying to dig at anyone. Or I genuinely am not. I'm, I'm just asking and prodding. I'm doing this. I, I'm prodding the whole thing off. If you turn up in a situation where people are hopeless, people are searching, people are looking, people have realized, I can have all of the pockets in the world filled with everything that I have in them, but I have nothing. And you turn up, do they leave with joy? 
I turn up, do they leave with joy? If I bring a few of you with me, do they leave with joy? Why is it, why is it, and I'm being honest, I'm being, let's be really honest. Why is it if somebody said to me, take five people with you, I would filter the five? Is that too close? And why would I filter the five? Because I'm not convinced everyone will bring joy. Is, is that too much? Because when these guys turn up, something changes in the name of Jesus that there's joy. Joy. I've got a couple of images here and I'm trying to figure out what time it is. So some images here. This is what joy doesn't look like. Okay, so anybody knows me, I, I know nothing about football, okay? And so um, I'm, I'm just trying to outwork these things. Um, up until the weekend, yeah, okay. So was that Chelsea? Um, Manchester United we've got here. Um, who's next? Oh, Everton. Wow, and that's just for the Liverpool fans. So um, uh, that was my attempt at a football joke. Come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take it down. So um, joy and the opposite of joy. And so we have to ask ourselves these postures of joy. You see, we get to the place in this story where there are these Samaritans, people from Samaria, who are being transformed by the name of Jesus Christ. And these are people who are enemies. And we have to come to this point because you've got to understand when the disciples were walking with Jesus and there was this little moment about Samaria, like some of the disciples were like, God, Jesus, do you want us to call fire down on them and burn them alive? So that's Christian, isn't it? Um, no, but it shows you the hatred between Jews and Samaritans, okay? So we have this hatred, real enemies. Now, I don't think there's anybody in this room and you're thinking, I know who I'd call fire down on and burn alive. If you feel that way, there are numbers that we can give you that you can phone people and they will help you out, but we've got this moment and then Jesus would go on straight after this conversation and talk about the good Samaritan. So can you imagine taking your worst enemy and turning it around and saying, well, actually, they're the good person in the story. See, ultimately, what's happening here, it's people who don't look like us and people who don't worship like us. That's when you, you break it down here. This is, this is the problem. If we have enemies, Jesus said, love your enemies. Okay? So if you've got enemies, it's not a black and white issue. You need to get over it. Okay? So I'm just throwing that out there because I'm not going to spend much time in that. That's the reality. But what we're talking about is, well, let's take away enemies. Let's take it into that group of people we just don't like. What's happening here is that enemies are being brought close by the good news of Jesus. 
So I want to land that to you in a global setting, in a local setting, and in a neighborhood. Think about that. Think about the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, wars can stop. Famine can end. Resources can be released. Countries can thrive in the name of Jesus. Do you get it? Because of this peace. So people that don't really look like us. Now, I know I threw up a few football things there. And, and genuinely, I can talk about football in a totally absent way because I, I, I don't get it. Um, really don't. And I hear people at times talking about football, you know, like when their team loses. Honestly, at times I have watched people and I've thought, what has happened to them? Their grandmother's passed away. The, they've got lost their job. They've, and the, the same emotion that I speak to people with who have had the most horrendous sto- just moments in their lives, they have the same emotion on their face when their team loses. Now, I personally see that as a massive issue. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. Um, but it's a great picture of Man United fans when Liverpool, bar one loss, win everything. And the Man United fan goes, come on, Liverpool. Do you get it? This is the picture here. Now, what what we have to ask ourselves, is are there people in our lives and in our worlds that if they win, we don't celebrate their win? We don't want them to win. They're, they're like a different team. They're not like me. Or there are people that when we hear them succeeding or doing well, or we, we don't want to pat them on the back and go, oh, that's brilliant. Heard your good news. Heard you got that promotion. Heard, heard you, heard you, you know, your, your kid did brilliant at school. I heard, I heard you, you're doing brilliant with your exams. I heard, no, and it goes on. No, that, that's brilliant. But you see, the hater inside's going like, um, I have to say this, but inside, I really hate the fact that you're doing well. The, the hater brings it down to, and this is the test for me, and it's my limited experience, but what I've observed is that this pattern becomes most evident when you're around people who also dislike the same group. Now, so if you're with me, and, and I'm talking about, oh, isn't it amazing to see people from different cultures, different, you know, isn't, isn't it amazing? And you're like, yeah, Stephen, yeah, Stephen, yeah, Stephen, that's, that's brilliant. But then you go into a different group and your real heart comes out and it's like, oh, these guys coming and they're doing this and this is happening. And that's, that's the real heart comes out. Could, could there be racism in the church, bigotry in the church? Could there be any of those things? Absolutely. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for the people we love, it's for the people who hate us. And as followers of Jesus Christ, it should be the greatest, most amazing thing when our enemies become our friends in Christ. That should be like the best moment ever. No, this person would have killed me last week, but this week, 
they're like just brothers and sisters in Jesus. Like that's, that's like the best news ever. Uh, that's the heart of Christ, not, you know, why Jesus save them? No. Like I, I'm praying for my family here and Jesus is saying them guys. Like, well, what's that about? You see, it reveals our heart. Ultimately, it comes down to love. Um, so are there groups of people you're not patient with, people you're not kind to, people that you're jealous of? I get everything. People who you don't want to, no, you want to boast about yourself to make yourself sound good, but in reality, all you're trying to do is put them down. Are, are there people who bring out that pride in you? No, somebody says, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example without somebody in the church thinking I'm talking about them. Um, somebody comes and says, uh, my child did brilliant in their A-levels, because that can't relate to me. So they, they did brilliant in their A-levels. Oh, they're flying. They got offered a place in Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, and in fact, there's schools in America flying over. They want them to come, and they're going to pay their, every, their tuition. They're going to do all those things. Is there something in us wants to tell a better story? Because that's pride. See, love isn't dishonoring. It's not angry. That doesn't keep any records of wrongs. So uh, we have this joy movement. We're coming to a close here. We have this movement of joy, this movement of a name. And we have this movement beyond barriers. There's so many barriers in there. That's a whole like different talk. Um, but the biggest and the greatest barrier here is those who don't really like us and we really just don't like them. And in this moment, because of the name of Jesus, there is a joy experienced throughout a whole city. That's incredible. That's the power of the name of Jesus. We're going we're to pray. Mom will pray and I'm going to ask these guys to come up. And, uh, I'm going to ask us to stand and um, let's, let's stand up. Let's, let's think. Let's think about those people. And, and we all have things, don't we? We have all people that we need to work through. Um, I think I've told you before, whenever I was 19 years of age, I, um, there was a dur given to me. And the dur was this, to drive into the short strand, which was a Republican estate, um, to drive into the short strand, stop at the bakery, buy a donut, and then drive home. <laughs> and I remember when I got the donut back, nobody wanted to eat it, because that was one of those Republican donuts. Now, I'm a whole lot older now, and I've deliberately, deliberately and intentionally set to work out the things that I need to put behind me in order to press towards the cause of Christ. That's, a, that's an old example, you know. But ask yourself.
Let's, let's ask ourselves those honest questions because this awake stuff really matters. This sort of questioning really matters. If you want to come alive and everything that God has for you, if, if you want to be part of the movement of the kingdom of God in a way that's life to the full, not just putting in church, we've got to examine some things in us. And, and this is one of these issues. Is there someone in your world that you can honestly say you do not want God to bless them? Or if he did, you'd be raging. Because what you're stopping is joy. So Abraham had to leave behind his land, his identity, his family, his, um, the practices, historical patterns and practices. He had to leave aside all of that stuff to walk into what God had for him. And we need to do the same. Leave, us, leave behind all the stuff. All of it. All of it. No, but Stephen, you don't understand. I know. I don't get it all, but I know Jesus died for me as a hater of God. So that I could know the joy of salvation. And I know that I am called to build on the foundation of what he has started until I die. And if he's prepared to die for me as an enemy of God, I should be prepared to bring joy to my enemy. Whatever the cost. So joy. So um, let's close our eyes. And, you know, um, I, I want to ask, you know, that, that's we finished a whole lot heavier than I expected. Um, but I, I really want to go back to that joy movement thing. <laughs> Seeking for, trying to find, fill your life with, no matter what you try, no matter what you have, no matter what you own, it may make you happy for a moment, but you're still looking for joy that can only be found. I would suggest to you, you can spend eternity, the rest of your life, everybody else's life, searching for something, but you will still come back around the circle realizing that the only person that can truly satisfy and give you a joy that cannot be disturbed, no matter what's going on in your world, his name is Jesus Christ. And so I, I want to invite you to follow him into the greatest adventure and allow him to kick you out of your comfort zone and be part of the movement that is called church. To go for him with everything. You can say no, uh, but we'll come back around a circle. Uh, you can say no the next time and we'll come back around the circle. In fact, for many in this room, we're around the circle one more time. It's like, here we are. And still we keep coming back to Jesus who can do this and give us. But we somewhere in our heads think if we give it one more try, perhaps there's another source of this joy. 
And so we'll go around the circle one more time, try to find it, try to grab it, work a bit harder, earn a bit more, so on. And still we come back around the circle too. Only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. So I want to ask you to pray a prayer in this moment. If you would like to start a journey that says Jesus, um, the, the prayer doesn't save you. It's not some magic pill, but it's, it's a sense of I am trying to create a moment where you can connect with God without somebody else in the picture, just you and God. Grab hold of it. It just goes like this. You pray it and you mean it. And you say, dear Jesus, I want this joy. Dear Jesus, I want this salvation that you alone can give. I want this peace with God because I'm searching for peace. I want this joy and I know that only because Jesus makes it happen that I can have this joy. So Jesus, it's about you and I get that and and I'm going to make Jesus my life. I'm going to work out what that means. I'm going to get people around me who will help me do that and I'm not going to turn back. I'm going to give Jesus the best shot of everything I have. I'll give you Jesus. So I want you to pray that prayer, sort of where you're at. Just invite him. Now what I want to ask you to do is I want you to tell someone. Uh, see, this, this is where it goes down at times. We pray prayers and we tell no one. We hold it in our heart and people wonder, people are like no, where are those guys at? And and you're afraid to tell them because you're thinking, well if I say that they're going to judge me, no they're not if I tell them that what happens if I mess up, you will but God's grace will bring you home and you'll be fine you'll just join the club of people who mess up and need God's grace and that's all part of it but it's good to tell Tell people who you know will get excited and then tell people who you know will look at you like, what are you doing? But you got to tell. And so pray the prayer and then tell someone. Tell someone who's going to be filled with that joy. It's just going to go, come on, this is brilliant. This is the best thing ever. Tell them. And then from there, it's all good. And so Father... I pray that we would intentionally join the movement of joy. That because of the joy we bring um, that's beyond happiness, because of the joy that we carry, because of the joy that we have in Jesus, people look at us and go, that's, they're, they're like wee mini Jesuses, aren't they? They're, there's just something about those guys that it's just like... I pray, Lord God, that you would help us. Help us to believe just like this moment that in some of the most difficult moments of our lives we can be the greatest blessing in the kingdom of God that we don't need to wait until the pain is over turns out that you use our pain to show your name and so Father help us carry joy in Jesus name Amen Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts, check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast